Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible. You got a Bible? Turn to the book of one, a book that you're always familiar with. You know, the one that you go to probably every other day. The book of Haggai. The book of Haggai, the one you got committed to memory. This is on page 962 in an old Schofield reference Bible. You got Haggai and Zechariah, Malachi. So if you find any of those, you'll be in the area. But look there in the book of Haggai in chapter 2. Chapter 2 of Haggai. And you'll notice there in verse 7. Verse 7. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Now who do you think he's talking about? The desire of all nations. You see, everyone, they may not know who he is, but everyone really wants the Lord. They just don't know who God is. So they'll choose the God of this world or some man-made God or make themselves God. But everyone knows that there's something missing in their life. Now, sometimes if it's nations that can desire something, so there means they're, they're desiring something, but is the expectation there? Do you really expect that desire to be fulfilled? You can have desires, but know that they'll never happen. Now, we might say that there's desires of our presidency uh, that want certain things to be done. There's other people in this country that don't desire the same thing. So sometimes people don't know whose desires are going to be met. If I was to say to you, I have expectations, expectations of living to be 100 years old, now, that might materialize, but it might not. But I can have expectations. I can expect that one day I'll be rich. You can expect one day you're going to find that girl you're looking for or that guy you're looking for. Or you can have all kinds of expectations. we got New Year coming. We're supposed to have new expectations of what? But now, if I told you I was expecting... Now, that has a different connotation to it. 
Now, if some young woman says, I am expecting, what would you think she means by I am expecting? She's going to what? She's going to have a baby. So a man can be expecting, but you don't say it that way. Because you can expect a lot of things. Be expecting to speak this morning. Be expecting to sing a special this morning. Expect it. You can expect a lot of things, but generally don't say, you know, uh, a man is expecting. But it's okay for a woman to expect. And she is expecting. And generally it's referring to, she's going to have a young one. So there are desires, and this desire of nations. Nations would love to have peace. Enjoy it. They just don't know how to get it. You see, when you don't know the truth, any error will do. And so they come up with communism and all the other isms and spasms trying to develop a form of government. But you can't have this form of government that produces all of this wonderful bliss they're trying to produce upon the earth and trying to manufacture something. And it doesn't seem to be working. So that's why there are people that think, well, if there's only one government, then who are you going to fight against? If everybody was ruled by a few elites that know the answer to everything, really smart, and the rest of the people were just, you know, like cattle, they just follow, then everything will be fine. All we got to do is just get the right people to lead, and all the rest of them can follow, and we would have peace upon the earth. And a one-world government, one-world religion, everybody just believed the same. Or nobody believed anything. But there's something that God has placed inside of us. This great burning desire. We want to be free. We wish we weren't as bad as we were. That we didn't have this old sinful nature. That everybody would just love everybody. But none of that's true. But let's just pretend for a moment, moment that, that there's no God. That there's no Bible. And we're nothing more than just people. We're just people, but there is no God. Then a lot of things that people are trying to do will make sense. Then it belongs to the power of the might. Those that have the power to do something, then do it. And it doesn't matter what you have to sacrifice. If you've got to sacrifice two little casualties along the way, as long as you get and reach your goal and produce a utopia upon the earth, then everything would be fine. And so, if there is no God, then of course evolution would be true, and we just came about by the process of evolution. And so we're just animals, and seeking to enjoy a better life, and so we try to figure out what's the least harmful to everybody, and so we've got to do away with anything that has to do with you know, the, all these religions and so forth, because you know all the, they just start more wars, and everybody's fighting for their faith. Let's just do away with all of that there. And just everybody, everybody just believe the same thing. There is no God. And so therefore we'll all have peace. And it all makes some, some sense. But the problem is that there is a God. And there is a heaven and hell. And men do have a sinful nature. And it does have to be curbed. And so there's a, a lot of things that's um, in the Word of God. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke. The book of Luke and chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, Mary was going to have a child. This is the desire of nations that has come. Jesus Christ is the burning desire of so many of the Jewish people 
that were living even a thousand years before. They wanted to be the one that would bring the Messiah into the world. So the nation of Israel was expecting a child to be born. And not only was the nation of Israel expecting a child to be born, uh, there were certain families that were expecting a child to be born. And you would think, well, if they were expecting it, they would have an idea, now when is this child going to be born? So some of the things you think about is, what kind of a baby was this? I, I was trying to think along the lines of, okay, how would you describe this baby? Now, you know, whenever a woman has a baby and you look at the little baby, you say, oh, that is a pretty baby. It's a pretty baby. Now, every baby I've ever seen all look like little Geronimo's. They just like, no, little, little red Indians. But they just like Geronimo's. But if it's in your relatives or your family, it's, it's definitely a pretty baby. And you automatically look to see, you know, if it has any resemblance of you. Does it have your eyes or your nose or your ears or whatever? Now, whenever it says in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, we often say, you know, it's different to say he is your shepherd, but he's my shepherd. It's one thing to say that is your baby than to say that is my baby. But we're always interested in that little baby. It's a pretty baby. But you know, sometimes people look at the baby and they think, oh, that is a precious, it's so precious. And now the, the baby hasn't done anything to deserve these titles. It was just born. It hasn't accomplished anything great. But can you love something that has accomplished zero? It hasn't done anything. But a mother can love that little baby, even though the baby hasn't even said the words, mama or daddy, said nothing, did anything, and yet be loved. Just for the sake of, that's a child. Now, we're often told that God loves us with an everlasting love. We did nothing to deserve God's love. But sometimes we think whenever we read the 139th Psalm, where he talks about that before you were born, he says, I formed your body in the womb. I knew all of your members, uh, and my thoughts are about you, and how wonderful and perfectly we're made, and how appreciative we ought to be of our Creator that can create these bodies for us to live in. We well, see, when God was going to have a baby born into this world, this was uh, not necessarily going to be a, a pretty baby. How many of y'all think that Jesus must have been, I mean, if you're God and you're going to have a baby, I mean... This must be the most prettiest baby in the whole world. Do you think he was? You think he was the prettiest baby in the world? Don't you wish you had a picture? You know, somebody could have been in with a camera, videotaped and showed us the prettiest baby in all the world. But you know, the Bible says this about Jesus, that um, there was no beauty that we should desire him. So maybe he didn't look any different. When he was in a crowd, nobody could pick him out. He could just walk through a crowd. Nobody could, I mean, he was no different than anybody, the way anybody else thought. Maybe he wasn't as pretty as some of the other babies. Who knows? But was he a precious baby? He was a precious baby. Was he a precious baby to God? 
So in God's eyes, this was a precious baby. Remember, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the only one he had. It was his only son. And so God knew the value of this baby. This was going to be a payment for the sins of the whole world. So have you ever seen the commercial that comes on and it says blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and this is priceless. We're priceless. I mean, you can't put a value on it. Uh, here's a baby that's going to be born, but you can't put a value on him. How, how much was he worth? Now, he was of greater value than all the people that's all been born, all put together. This one son was worth all the world. Now, that must make him a pretty precious baby. Priceless baby. But not only was this baby expected to come and all these things, but you see, this baby was a little bit different because, see, he was, he was prophesied to come. Now, how much difference is there between the word promise and prophesied? If God prophesies what's going to take place, it may be a promise or it just may be a statement of fact without him promising to make it happen. But there are promises that God has given into his word. But he did promise something. And the very first promise was found there in the book of uh, Genesis in chapter 3. Where it says in verse 15 that this child of this woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. Crush the head of the serpent but bruise his heel. So we believe that that's a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ that would be born of a woman. And so as you go on down through the line, you know, there's promises that God made. And the prophecies that state this in his word of something that's going to be. So people were expecting this precious child to be born. Because this child has to be different from all other children. Jesus was God in the flesh. Which separates him from every other person that's ever been born. So are there prophecies in the scriptures that tells us a little bit about this expected child? You know, promises that God has made. And so you find out that he has to come through the nation of Israel. Remember there in Genesis chapter 12, when he was talking to Abraham and he says, that I am going to make of thee a great nation. And it says, all families of the earth shall be blessed because of thee, because of the seed that's going to come through your loin. And on down the road, he's talking about Jesus Christ. So when you read there in the book of Galatians in chapter 3, the seed, singular, which is Christ. So it tells us what Abraham was told and what Abraham believed and why God says that his faith got him the righteousness of God. So he was justified by his faith. And that was in Genesis 15 when the Lord told him to count all the stars of heaven and to think of how many people there were going to be like the stars of heaven, and yet out of all of those stars of heaven and all those people that's going to be born as a grain of sand upon the earth, I got one child that's going to be born that's going to be different from all the stars and something that's going to be different from all the grains of sand upon the earth. This one is going to be different. Because, see, this child, besides just being a, a precious child, a 
priceless child, a pretty child maybe, but this, this child was going to be different. Because, see, Jesus Christ, it says that this child is going to be a perfect child. There's nothing wrong with this child. This child has no faults. He has no flaws. He has no sinful nature. And he's going to be born into this world. And God is going to work a miracle. So, therefore, this child will have a virgin birth. Now, if I was to ask you, where does it say in the Bible that Jesus would be born of a virgin in the Old Testament? Where is that scripture found? Does anybody have a clue? We only got one person in here knows where the Old Testament says that, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear his son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And there's only one person. Okay, we got two people that knows where that verse is found in the Bible. Do I hear three? Do I hear three? Twenty-five dollars bit now. Twenty-five, thirty-five. Who make it thirty-five, forty-five, three? All right, I've got three. I got four. I got four. Anybody else know where it says? Don't you think that that would be a good verse to know where it is in the Bible that God promised? A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Do you believe that's an important verse to know about Jesus Christ? Yes, Tom? Isaiah 7, 14. It's a good verse. It's one that you need to mark down and always remember. Now, does the Bible say anywhere about, oh, you know, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Child is born, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Where is that found? Oh, now we're getting to where we're just going to blurt it out, huh? Yes, where was it at? Isaiah 9, 6, she thinks. Is that right? Is she right? I think she's right. But the Bible states that Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin and that he was promised to be the one that would be the Son of God and what his name would be called. So, is it important to know that Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us? And he is the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Now, think for a moment. The prince of peace. That starts with the P also, doesn't it? Prince of peace. And when Jesus was born, it says, you know, and the shepherds were watching over their flock by night and uh, said, therefore, the Lord is going to be born and he is the savior of the world. And the angels rejoice with the heavenly host and all it talks about, you know, peace on earth, goodwill toward man, peace on earth. And yet Jesus, when he was here, says, I did not come to bring peace, but I came with a sword to divide mother and father and brother and sister. He divides. You know, there's nobody in this world as divisive as Jesus Christ. There's no one has ever been born that offends more people than Jesus Christ. He is very offensive because truth is offensive. Because the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So every man's a sinner. 
So we don't like to be rebuked. Did you know if you just naturally serve the Lord and did right, you are rebuked to other people that you're around when they don't do like you do? And they people sometimes don't like it because you don't associate with them and say what they say and do what they do and go where they go. And just by the fact that you try to do right, you can be persecuted for it. But truth, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And therefore, he was prophesied that he would come into the world. He was promised that he would come into this world. He was a perfect child. There was nothing wrong with this perfect child. But now, where does it say in the Bible that he was born king of the Jews? Anybody have an idea where that's found? He was born king. Haven't we sung that song? Born a king. La -da 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 -dee. Born a king. If he's born a king, he had to be born a prince. He just hadn't claimed his throne yet. And then someday when this prince of peace will come, and when he sets up his kingdom upon the earth, he will rule with a rod of iron. Then there will be peace on the earth. And that's talking about the kingdom. But you know, Christ doesn't have to wait until he comes and sets up his kingdom to bring peace. Because he says, my joy I give, my peace I give. God has peace that he can give to you and I, and we can have it now. Do we have to wait till we get to heaven to have joy? Do we have to wait till we get to heaven to have love? Do we have to wait till we get to heaven to have, you know, this peace? No, you can have those things now. Why? Because, see, those are the fruit of the Spirit. And if God says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, it means that if I walk in the Spirit, I should have some of those, you know, some of that fruit. And so you can have peace now. And then peace is not the absence of the world's turmoils. It's uh, the peace of the soul. It's where you learn how to rest in the Lord and commit things to God and you can walk with the Lord. And it doesn't matter what happens to you because you have an inner peace, an inner joy that the world doesn't have. See, Paul was a free man when he sat in the prison because, see, you can't, couldn't capture him. He had already been captured by the Lord. He had already become a prisoner of the Lord, a love slave of Jesus Christ. So nobody else could affect him or bother him. And whatever they did and so forth and put him in prison, even when they chopped off his head, he was already a free man. So when you see that and you understand that, when you are no longer afraid of death at any time, you can really begin to live free. But sometimes we are afraid to trust God, and therefore we have fear. And fear produces torment. And so many times Christians torment themselves. Now, we should do everything we possibly can to prepare. You see, Jesus was the most prepared for baby in the world because he prepared a nation. And did you realize that just for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, Africa? They were already about 80 miles to the north in Galilee. So it just so happens that they issued a decree that they had to go to their hometown to pay their taxes. See, they even had tax problems back in those days too. And so they had to go and prepare their tax. And here's Mary already with child having to go a, a 80 miles. Now, 
All they had to do was they just got in their car and drove the 80 miles over the superhighway. Or did she ride a, a bumpy ride on the back of a donkey? Or did she walk? Or what happened? Maybe Joseph carried her. I don't know. But she got there 80 miles. Did you know that before the foundations of this world that God knew where his son had to be born? He had prophesied where he'd be born. The promise was already made. And God's word has to be fulfilled. And it was just a coincidence that the Roman government issued that decree right on schedule so that they would have to go down to Bethlehem. And they had to get there at the right time so that the child could be born. And the child was born. So God prepared the arrival. And yet, look how he prepared it. Now, he could have had Jesus born in a mansion, you know, a big palace, something like that, and big parades and everything that goes on. But no, he was to be born in a stable, born and placed in a manger. This is how God wanted it. But maybe people don't understand that great things can come from poor beginnings. You know, in the book of Hosea, it talks about God will bring beauty out of ashes. Do you realize there's things that happens in your life that just seems like everything is destroyed, everything is burned down. There's no hope, nothing. You see absolutely no way. And all of a sudden, God can bring some beauty out of some ashes when it seems like it's so hopeless. And all you can do now is trust the Lord, and you just trust the Lord. And you'll be surprised what God can do. You see, now that we have been born into God's family, in God's eyes, you are a beautiful baby. In God's eyes, you're his child. You are a precious baby. And there's things that God has prepared for each and every one of us as his children. God has prepared to give to us the day we were born, the free gift of eternal life, the gift of the Holy Spirit, given us His Word and given us a purpose. So He has prepared, and all of life is prepared in such a way that each one of us, if we walk with the Lord, God can use us to accomplish His purpose. I, I think it's all wonderful. And believe it or not, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, God gave you a perfect birth. It was perfect. Your new birth has no sinful nature. You are a child of God, and you are as precious in God's eyes as anybody else in the whole world. Understand and believe that. And the, the value that God placed upon you is, and I told this to a girl the other day, well, two days ago. I was sitting there, and I was in this lobby, and I was talking to this girl. Never seen her before. I said, can I explain something to you? I said, now, you probably have no clue how valuable you are to God. I said, but if you were the only person in the world, and he would have died for you, that means he would rather have died than live without you. But think of who he is. If he would die for you, that means you must be very valuable to God. And it didn't take long for her to trust Christ as Savior. Oh, I just thought it was so neat. And I told her after I got through, I said, no, I just want you to understand. I said, now, this is what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the free gift of eternal life. People hearing about what Christ did for them and how that all we have to do is believe he did it for us and he gives us as a gift eternal life and we go to heaven on what Christ did for us. That's good news. Let's pray, shall we? 
Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity we have to just to talk about Christ, who he is and what he's done. And Father, we look forward to the day that he comes again. We ask your blessings upon those that are not able to be here because some are ill. And Father, some are traveling. But we pray your blessings upon the service today, the choir and the songs and everything that goes on, the preaching of your word. Help us to be a blessing to those that tune in by internet. Just use us for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.